Uh, just if you haven't noticed, we're doing evening prayer tonight. That's why the, the, the liturgy is a little bit different. If you're uh, confused by that, we're just uh, trying something new. We did it a few times when I first got here, but it's been a while. Uh, and I figured um, since we're having a shared meal together, by the way, we're ordering pizza. Um, we will gather and break bread in a different way. So we're going to do evening prayer uh, for worship tonight. But that's not the sermon. Uh, you know, um, for a large part of my life, I was really uh, devoted my life to education or academics, probably from about the age of 14 until my mid-20s. So just uh, staked my claim on um, academia, that uh, I would get a good education. And although I probably wouldn't have used the words implicitly, what I understood is that I was trying to save myself through through educating myself. I came from a, I come from a sort of a working class, uh, poor background. So this is the way that I thought I could pull myself up by my bootstraps out of that situation um, and, and help myself. Um, and w went to college and then to graduate school and became a teacher and by my mid twenties really was quite successful both in school and then as a teacher and doing a little bit of research and then in my mid-twenties, <clears throat> against all odds in San Francisco, California, I became a Christian. Um, <laughs> and <clears throat> that totally flipped things on its head uh, for me, that uh, I had to kind of, it was very painful, and it took a little while, that I had to come to grips with the fact that education was not the thing that was going to save me, that it was Jesus Christ. And I had to... Uh, overcome a, a good amount of pride um, and years of doing things one way to have a complete, as they say, paradigm shift about the way that the world works, that it was not education, although that's a good thing, at the end of the day, that's not the thing that was going to save me, it was Jesus Christ. Um, I, I bring that up because at the beginning of John's Gospel, um, there is a discussion about the true bread versus bread that perishes. So true bread on, on the one hand and bread that perishes. And the bread that perishes can be so many things uh, in which we place our hopes, our ultimate hopes. They could be ideas or ideology, maybe about ro uh, romantic relationships. You know, the uh, American notion of, and they lived happily ever after um, from fairy tales. There's, there was this, uh, I don't know if you would call it a meme, that was online a little while ago of, uh, of princesses from fairy tales after the wedding. And so like there'd be Snow White in the, in the living room with Prince uh, Charming watching TV and the kids making a mess on the floor. And she had like one kid on the hip, um, totally debunking this idea of, and they lived happily ever after. So, you know, ideas uh, might be the things that we place our hopes in, something like that, or education like I did. Or right now, what's popular, of course, is politics. Um, or maybe for you, it's something like denominational affiliation. I don't know, whatever. Or maybe it's not ideas, maybe it's uh, material items. You know, that new car that you've always wanted, the quote-unquote forever home, um, the, the remodeled kitchen, uh, a particular appliance, um, clothing that you'd like to buy or the job that you have or the job that you're striving for or promotion or maybe it's your children you know maybe uh, you haven't led the life that you'd like to live and so you're placing all those hopes on your children to 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 become what you never could be um, 
So these are all things that are like what Jesus says are bread that perishes. Um, and the crowd uh, in chapter 6, in the passage that we read today, they cross the, the Sea of Galilee looking for uh, Jesus Christ after he feeds 5,000 people. They're looking basically for manna. They're looking for bread that perishes. You know, bread that will serve you today, uh, but it goes away. It will perish. It will die. If you eat it, you will still die. You cannot place all your hopes in it. They're basically looking for like a, a traveling salesman uh, with the latest and greatest invention. They think that that's the type of person that he is. You know, look, he was able to feed 5,000 people. Let's go find him again um, so he can provide the same sort of stuff for us. Another miracle. Um, but he says to them when they find him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he says, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you are... Uh, ate your fill of the loaves. Not because you saw the signs that prove my identity, my messianic and divine identity, but because you had a good meal and you would like another one. Um, sorry, this thing is playing up here. Um, did you ever see the, the movie Wit? Dan, have you seen Wit? I told Dan I'd give him a shout-out tonight. Um, it was based on a play, a, a made-for-television for movie starring Emma Thompson. Has anybody not, you've not seen this? Great. Uh, and there's, there's a spoiler in this, uh, so I'm sorry. But um, it's a story of a professor who's, she's a, she's a, a, a poetry, an English professor who, um, who's devoted to the, the, the poets of John Donne. That's her niche. Um, but she's devoted her entire life to both uh, po the poetry of John Donne and to academics, like I did early in my life. Um, and uh, she's at the expense of, of relationships, even. There's, she has not only no romantic relationships, she has zero relationships with anybody. She's alienated everyone at the expense of devoting herself to her, <clears throat> to her education and her academic success. Uh, even alienating her own students because she's so gruff, uh, but successful. And around the age 50, uh, to her surprise, is given a terminal diagnosis of ovarian cancer. Uh, like me, when I was in my mid-20s and coming to faith, she had this complete shift. But her whole life upturned uh, because of this cancer diagnosis. And there was only one hope that the doctors give her. It's in this experimental uh, medication that she might survive, but the, the odds are slim. Um, but the thing is that at the end of the day, the poetry of John Donne, her academic success, the, uh, the, the experimental medication are all bread that perishes, and they do not save her. And that's not to say that these things are important. You know, I always tell people if I grew up a, a Christian, I would have become an English teacher but I grew up a, 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 an atheist, so I became a minister. So I think that being an English teacher is actually an important thing. It's just uh, that that's certain people's callings, I think that's important. I think that experimental medication is important. I think academics are important, but it's still bread that perishes. And on her deathbed, because she had no relationships, no one visited her, none of her students, no one, no family, no friends, except for the day that she dies. Uh, her old professor has come from England to visit New York City, 
and uh, finds out that she's in the hospital. And she has, her older professor has family in New York City. So earlier in that day, she's gone to Barnes and Noble and bought some books. <clears throat> and she comes into the, the, the younger professor's hospital room and says, would you like me to read some John Donne to you? And the, the woman dying there can't even speak because of the, the, the experimental drugs have wreaked havoc on her body. And she just groans. Would you like me to read some John Donne? And she's like, no, I don't want to hear any of that. And so she looks in her bag. What else does she have? She pulls out a copy of Runaway Bunny by Margaret uh, Wise Brown. You know the children's book, Runaway Bunny? And she gets up in her bed and reads her this children's book. Um, and while the older professor is reading to the younger professor, she, midway through she goes, oh, look at that. It's a lovely little allegory of God's love. Um, and it is. I mean, it's, it's a message about almost as if it's God personified of always trying to seek after us. And it wasn't John Donne that she needed to hear. She needed to hear the love of God. And finally, after hearing this, she's given permission to die. She's no longer hanging on for dear life by the bread that perishes. <clears throat> well, chapters 4 through 6 of John's Gospel talk an awful lot about bread and water. Like I said, the bread that perishes on the one hand or the bread that endures to eternal life. Consider, for example, the woman of Samaria. Now, the bread in her case is actually water. He doesn't talk about the bread with her, but it's the same sort of idea. It's the water that perishes her, that perishes for her. And what is the water for her? It's men. He says, uh, uh, well, you're right that the man that you're with is not your husband. You've had five other husbands. Uh, that's the bread that's perishing in her life. And so he tells her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty, either the water at the well or the water of the men in her life. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. And so he's speaking figuratively or spiritually uh, about himself, who he is. After this encounter with her, the disciples say to Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. And he responds, I have food to eat that you do not know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Uh, the food that endures, therefore, then is trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. His life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and what that means for me and you and for our reconciled relationship with God. And so God, John says a lot about bread and water, not because he's concerned about actual bread and water, but he's telling these retelling these stories from Jesus' life because he's concerned about eternal life. Our passage today ends with many of the disciples not understanding this distinction that I'm setting up for you. The bread that perishes versus the bread that endures to eternal life. They're thinking in terms of material, uh, materiality, and they just don't get it. And they're offended, and they leave. They're scandalized by this. Uh, and so many people are scandalized by these notions of Jesus Christ that they leave. And so after they leave, he turns to the 12 and he says, do you also wish to go away to the 12 remaining? And Peter responds, Lord, to whom can we go? 
you have the words, the words of eternal life. Not the literal bread, but the message about himself. Uh, Remember that those who left didn't get it. They thought that he was talking literally about cannibalism. But he's basically saying, chew on this, eat on me. The idea that I'm, I've come here uh, uh, for you, that you can stake your claim in me and not on all these other things, whatever it is for you. So I ask you today, uh, sitting here in these chairs, all of you, you individually, do you wish to go away? Are you scandalized by these words? Will you put your trust in education or politics, denominational affiliation, sentimental ideas about love, a dream car, a dream house, a remodeled kitchen, the job promotion that you seek, or maybe your children, or anything like that? Or will you instead trust in the true bread that endures, bread that gives eternal life, the bread that was broken on a cross to reconcile us to God? Will you rely on God and his love made manifest in Jesus Christ, who is this true bread? Well, of course, uh, I hope so. I really do. Because everything else is fleeting and has a short shelf life. No matter how permanent it seems, all these other things are just bread that perishes. So stake your claim in the bread that endures to eternal life. Amen.